0: Welcome to R/entitled Parents where a billionaire father offers the world $180 million to sleep with his daughter. Our first Reddit post is from Glory of Dawn. My wife and I moved to Mississippi after getting married. She's a native and I'm from out of state. We met online and had the wedding in my hometown. She had a full ride and assistantship at Mississippi State, so it didn't make sense to have her give that up. We were fortunate in that her grandfather had an extra property he wasn't using, and he lets us stay there rent-free. It's a shack in the middle of the woods that was built by an idiot who has no business playing with Legos, much less building an actual structure. But hey, it's free. I can only complain so much. My wife's schedule varies greatly by the day, which saw her alone at the house while I was working when the entitled mother showed up. So my wife is hanging out in the living room doing some work before she has to leave for class when she hears someone drive up. Our house is really out of the way so we don't get guests. She was going to get her handgun when she sees a slightly older lady walk by the window. Not seeing a threat, she went and answered the door when the knock came. Can I help you? Yes, I wanted to talk about renting this place for my daughter. Oh, sorry, but me and my husband are living here. Well, my daughter is in college and needs a place to stay. Well, that's great and all, but like I said, I live here. I was hoping to talk to the owner. My wife's starting to get irritated. No, the house isn't for... I know him personally, you see, and I wanted to talk to him about renting. I don't care if you know him. Your daughter can't stay here. My husband and I live here. What aren't you getting about that? Young lady, I'm sure the owner won't appreciate you talking to me like this. I'm sure my grandfather won't give a flip that I told you your daughter is going to have to find another place to live. Entitled Mother looks shocked at the mention that the owner of the house is actually my wife's grandfather and she wasn't some random squatter living in his house. She huffs, turns on her heel and goes back to her car. My wife goes back inside and uses a sturdy note card to create a sign that is taped to our door to this day. We are not and will not be renting, signed the management. So I'm currently living in a house with two extra bedrooms and I'm really dreading the day when an entitled parent knocks on my door and demands to live there because I guess I don't have a choice. That's basically the law, right? Our next Reddit post is from Brick Boss. So this happened some time ago when I was in elementary school. I had a friend I normally walked home with, so you could say we were pretty close, Anyway, we both decided to go to my place after school that day to have fun with my games. At the time, my brother and I each had a Nintendo DS. So I whipped them out and we started playing. I asked him if he wanted anything from the fridge as I was going to the kitchen. He doesn't reply. So on my way back with some food and snacks, I realized that good old buddy of mine is nowhere to be found. I figured he may have gotten bored and gone home. He has that kind of behavior. So I proceeded to put the games up to charge. I then realize they're gone as well, so I figure he took them. We were buddies, but I had never really given him anything of mine, so them being stolen was a new experience for me. Anyway, I knew where he lived at the time and decided to go over there the next day since it was the weekend. I get to his place and a guest of theirs opens up. I immediately see my friend holding my DS in his grubby mitts. I then greet him and he quickly tucked my game in his pocket. I request that he gives them back so I can leave. Also, when the battery is dead or low on a DS, a red light blinks incessantly and, as dumb as he was, forgot to steal the chargers. So, I proceed to meeting his mom who was watching TV in the living room. Enter the Entitled Mom. Hello, Entitled Mom. I came to collect my games back from my friend. He took them from my house without permission yesterday. What games? I point at the rectangular bulge in my friend's pocket. Are you talking about the PlayStations I got for my boys? I was quite lost at this point as she doesn't know what make they are and still having such confidence. They aren't PlayStations, they're Nintendos and they're mine. Are you calling me a liar in my own home? I got them for my boys for being such good children. At this point, she was red with rage. They are very well-behaved boys, and they deserve the best. Sorry, ma'am. I didn't mean to make you mad, but those games are stolen, and I want them back, please. She then proceeds to shout obscenities at me, even in front of her guests. I then realize there's no point, so I retreat. For now. My parents arrive from work, and I tell them the story. My dad goes ballistic, just how I liked We march over there, and my dad smashes the doorbell. Luckily, Entitled Mom opens up, and my dad, being who he is, demands the video games back. The Entitled Mother glares at me behind my dad's leg, and I am smiling like the Grinch. Hello, sir. What games are you talking about? You know dang well what we're here for. Return them before we call the police. The Playstations, I bought them for my angels and no one can take them away from them. I thought to myself at this point, the games are dead for over a day now, so I'm sure they've been laying around for hours. The Entitled Mother shouts for my friend and my friend's brothers to come downstairs. Show them your games, boys. They show the games, which had their names scratched all over them. I start sobbing at the horrible sight. See, the games are theirs. They even have their names on them. Then, my dad does the craziest thing after seeing me sob. He snatched the games and destroyed them there and then in front of everyone. I was totally shocked. Entitled mother's eyes widened and she was speechless. My dad then proceeds to taking us back home, and a few days later, he got me new Nintendos with like twice the games I had before the incident. He said he called Entitled Mother and her family and told them never to interact with us again. (laughs) Heh, dumb Entitled Mom. So, by that logic, I think the best thing the dad could have done in this situation is just take out a Sharpie and write his name on their house, and then be like, well, it's got my name on it, so get out of my house! So, this next story isn't a post on Reddit. It's actually a news story, but it's so crazy, I had to include it. A Chinese billionaire is offering a bounty of $180 million to any man who, <laughs> this is so crazy, to any man who marries his daughter. The guy's name is Cecil Chow, and he became a billionaire in China by developing high-rises. Now, obviously, China has such a massive population that high-rises are very much in demand, so he is rolling in dough. Cecil Chow has a daughter, Gigi, who came out as a lesbian, who actually flew to France to marry her girlfriend. Cecil Chow was not happy about that so he's offering a bounty of a billion Chinese RMB which translates into roughly 180 million US dollars to any man who can get the two girls to break up and marry his daughter. 180 million dollars i bet this woman can't step foot outside without a dozen different guys trying to hit on her imagine every time you show your face in public there are dozens of people of the gender that you're not attracted to trying to destroy your marriage and hug you passionately and to make matters worse to some people this is basically an open invitation to sexually assault this woman Our next reddit post is from Archalicci. I work for a bath and body company, not bath and body works. And I obviously won't be naming this company, but they are on the high end range with it being an expensive brand. You can guess that it's not uncommon that we come across entitled people in general for this story. It's a mother daughter duo. This happened on Friday the 10th of this month, May, so it was the last business day before Mother's Day. The mother will be entitled mother and the daughter will be entitled daughter, but that's self-explanatory for this sub. This call took place at around 2 a.m. We're a 24-hour call center, so the only day we are closed is Christmas Day. Anyway, let me actually get to what happened now. I answer the phone. It's a great day at blank. My name is OP. How may I assist you today? The entitled daughter says, It's
1: about dang time someone there answered the phone. What have you been doing? Clearly not your job.
0: I instantly mute myself, sigh, and roll my eyes as I can already tell how this phone call is going to go. Also, after midnight, we don't get many calls and only myself and another person were working as per our usual. Neither of our phones had rang since just after midnight, so I knew she was BSing. I'm sorry about your wait, ma'am. How may I assist you this evening? I want to know when my mother's order is going to be delivered. I paid extra for overnight shipping and I haven't received a
1: shipping email yet.
0: Of course, may I have your order number? She rattles off the number. I place her on hold as our system was running a bit slow and I honestly didn't want to listen to her complain about the wait. Anyway, I see the order is sitting unprinted in our system and sigh again. I checked the time the order was placed and it was around 4:30 p.m. that afternoon, which was past our cutoff time of 2 p.m. Eastern time for overnight and second day shipping. I double-check everything, including the price of the order, which was $65, as our current promo granted free second day or $5 overnight, as well as a free full-sized item that had been pre-selected. I take a moment to brace myself before I come back on the line. I see here that the order was placed around 4.30 this afternoon. Is that correct? Yes,
1: but that doesn't matter. Don't ask me stupid questions.
0: I'm sorry ma'am. I was just double checking the information as unfortunately our cutoff times for expedited shipping is 2 p.m. eastern. This order has not been shipped and will not ship out until Monday morning. So as she cuts me off and started screaming about how I need to ship it that instant and it is to be delivered by 8 a.m. Saturday morning or she would have me fired. I'm sorry ma'am but there is no way for us to be able to do so. But I can have your shipping fee refunded, and I can send out two more of the free full-size items as an appeasement for this mishap.
1: I want a manager!
0: Now, I'm not technically the manager, but as I work night shift, we don't have a manager on duty during our shifts. That being said, both of my managers will task the person with the most experience as the manager when they are not here. With it only being me and my coworker, I was that person, having worked here for just about five years now, and my coworker had only started back in November of 2018. I am the manager, ma'am. However, if you would like to speak with another manager, I can take your contact information and have one of them call you in the morning. She scoffs and starts cussing me out, and I mean, this lady was seriously calling me every name in the book. Our company, while they love to cater to whatever our customers want, allows us to hang up on customers who are acting like this woman was. Ma'am, if you continue to curse at me, I will disconnect the call.
1: You will do no such thing, you little grunt! How dare you think you can hang up on a paying customer who has been with your company since the beginning! I will have you thrown in jail for assaulting me!
0: I rolled my eyes again because she was trying to threaten me with something that would never work in hopes that I would listen. I'm sorry, ma'am, but I'm disconnecting this call and forwarding the timestamps to our other managers as our calls are recorded. You have a wonderful rest of your evening. And I hang up. I knew this wasn't the end of it and I told my coworker what had happened and noted it in our system as per our policy. And I told my coworker she could go on a break so that I would be the one to get the call if she did call back. I answer the next phone call and give the mandatory greeting. How may I assist you? It's the entitled mother on the other line. Some rude rep just hung up on my daughter and now she is crying. What are you going to do about this? I am so sorry about that, ma'am. May I have the name or order number for your daughter so I can see who she last spoke with? I already knew it was me, but I played along and looked up the number just for giggles. Yes, ma'am. I see here that I was the one who spoke with your daughter. However, she was cursing and screaming at me. And per our policy, we are allowed to hang up after informing the customer we are going to do so, which I did.
1: How dare you, you little effing jerk!
0: Here we go again, I think to myself and mute my end of the phone and just let her rant and rage at me for a good 20 minutes. I'm not even joking, I wish I were. I don't even think she took one solid breath the whole time. So what are you going to do to fix this? As I told your daughter before, I can refund the shipping cost and send two extra free full-sized items as a one-time appeasement. However, the order will not be arriving until Tuesday as it won't be shipped until Monday. That's not good enough. I want our whole order refunded and demand it be here tomorrow morning. I understand your frustration. However, that is simply impossible to do as our last UPS pickup was at 5 p.m. earlier this evening and they won't be picking up from us again until Monday morning. If you would like, I can have the order canceled, but still send the free full-size promos as promised, so you may purchase the paid items at your local store tomorrow when they're open. We aren't allowed to refund a full purchase and still send the items out without manager approval, and while I'm acting manager, I didn't feel comfortable with refunding it without someone else's go-ahead. I want your manager she huffs and I give her the same rundown I gave her daughter but I gave both of my managers hours for the next day so she knew exactly when to call. She screams like a dang banshee and tells me how I'm going to be fired and won't ever be allowed to work in customer service ever again and she hangs up. I sigh in relief of finally being off the phone with both of them and note my system once more before sending a lengthy email to both managers telling them the whole situation as well as the times of both calls as I know they will want to listen to them. Even though I didn't want to, I went ahead and sent out three of the full-size promos and in the email stated I would refund the shipping once the order had been posted as I couldn't do it until then. They don't call back again during my shift and I just forget about the whole thing and go about my day at home. I come back in for my shift that next night and only one of my managers is in, which is the usual as our second manager works an earlier shift so she's always off by the time I come in. Anyway we'll just call her Manager 1 for simplicity. Manager 1 calls me into the office and I immediately know what for and I ask her if it was about the entitled daughter and entitled mother and she tells me yes. She's smiling so I know that I'm not in any kind of trouble. She tells me that they had called in. Yes, both of them on the same line. So they had it on speaker so they could both talk and listen. She tells me how they completely lied about the incident and said that they called in just to get a refund on the shipping. But I had started yelling and cursing at them. Yes, you heard that right. I guess entitled daughter forgot I told her the calls were recorded and when confronted with that and manager one telling them that she had listened to both calls and that I hadn't done what they said I did, entitled mother yells and says she knows the founder of the company and will have both of us fired. At this point, she just plays the recording of her call with them and it goes like this. Wow, you knew the founder? That's amazing. Her voice was sickly sweet and I couldn't help but laugh. Yes, I do. And I'm calling him right now from my daughter's phone. Sure enough, she calls someone definitely not the owner of the company and has the woman on the line claim to be the owner and tell us that we are both fired and to pack our things immediately. My manager actually laughed at this, like on the phone laughed at this woman. I'm sorry, ma'am, but you are most definitely not the owner of this company. Our owner is a male and he unfortunately died a few years ago now. If you'd done a quick Google search, you would know this. She pauses for a moment as both entitled mom and entitled daughter are sputtering, trying to find a way to backpedal out of this mess they made. If you'll hold for just one moment, I'll be forwarding you to our corporate office so they can deal with the situation however they choose. So she does and before she transfers them over she tells the corporate worker the whole situation. And she also laughs at this and she tells manager to send them over but to stay on the line so she can insist just in case as our corporate office doesn't have access to our system so she couldn't see anything related to the order in question. Entitled mother and entitled daughter once again try and lie not knowing that manager was still on the call but corporate worker quickly shuts them down and informs them that they will be canceling their order as well as the shipment of free items I had sent them. They will be blacklisting both of their online accounts so they won't be able to purchase from our online site anymore. They once again tried to pull the, I know the owner and I'll have you fired card. But Corporate Worker quickly shut that down as well, informing them again that he had been dead for a few years at this point. But if they were able to contact him from beyond the grave, that they should tell him that Corporate Worker said hello and we will all miss you. As Corporate Worker actually knew the owner from his multiple meetings and various other events they held in the past. They hung up pretty quickly after that and corporate worker and manager had a good laugh about it while manager canceled the orders and gave corporate worker the information she needed on her end. OP, if you're out there and you're watching this video, if you can get your hands on one of those phone recordings, especially that last one and send it to me to publish on this YouTube channel, I will pay you cash money. (laughs) <laughs> me and my fans would love to listen to that phone call that was r slash entitled parents and smack that subscribe button because if you don't i know the ceo of youtube and i will have her delete your youtube account we'll be back with more r content right after this short break welcome to r pro revenge where op takes down the irs our first reddit post is from fox McCloud. First, you have to appreciate the kind of guy Nathan is. Brilliant engineer slash crazy person. Because Nathan likes rules, and Nathan doesn't give up when he knows how things should work. I like to get him to tell the story whenever we're together because he doesn't even see why it's funny. It's just how he deals with all problems. Nathan was like if you saw Sisyphus and you thought, maybe I should try to stop him. But then one day the boulder was on top of the hill and you go and ask Sisyphus how he did it and he replied, it was simple. I just kept pushing it forever and ever and eventually the mountain gave up. A real grade 19 bureaucrat. He just works systems through problems no matter how daunting they should seem. Until one day when Nathan's unstoppable force met an immovable object. I came into work and saw checks and envelopes spread all over his desk and Nathan filling them out with the kind of grin Steve Buscemi might have crossing off a list with a tube of lipstick. I ask him about it and he calmly starts explaining that he's having trouble with the IRS. I probe a little deeper since that in no way explains more than one check or envelope and he starts telling me about how last year during tax season he was in China for work so he started filling out his taxes early while at his parents house. He owed a little but left before he could mail it in but he remembered while he was in China and he broke through the Chinese firewall in order to pay the taxes online. But then his parents, thinking he forgot, wrote a check for him and mailed his taxes in too. So now his taxes would be paid twice. So they said, don't worry about it. We'll cancel the check. Well, it turns out that the New York state IRS has a canceled check fee of something like 40 bucks. And they sent Nathan a bill and penalty for the $40. That was it. That was the whole story. A $40 fee. Nathan, why do you have 20 checks on your desk? Oh, well, after I explained to them what was wrong with the fee, they didn't get it. So Nathan spent the next four weeks escalating the issue to the point that he got a case officer, a real live human agent on the phone with a case number. Remember the next sentence I'm about to speak because it's important for later. Nathan started by asking for the agent to spell his name and politely to demonstrate that he was where he said he was by asking how the weather was and how the drive-in had been that day. He then asked for his agent's manager, got their name, and exchanged some pleasantries. He explained that his parents wrote the check, but that he was the one being charged the fee. The agent explained that this was the policy of the IRS— all canceled checks will result in a $40 fee. The agent and Nathan went in rigorous complaint circles for hours exploring the rules. Nathan then calmly confirmed that, one, it is the policy of the IRS to allow just anyone to write a check on behalf of anyone else. Yes sir, that is fine. You just need to indicate the name and zip code of the account. 2. It is the policy of the IRS to charge a $40 cancellation fee to the person whose account is indicated on the check. Yes, sir, that is the policy in New York State. This means that, and I swear to God, he actually asked the agent this hypothetical on the phone. I, Nathan, could write a $10 check and indicate it's for you, Mr. Agent, at 12345 Synecdoche, New York, and cancel it, resulting in a $40 fee for you with absolutely no penalty or recourse to me? The equally complaint and rule-minded agent replied, yes sir, I guess you could. So that's what Nathan did and that's what he was doing with 20 checks on his desk and what he meant by IRS trouble. He was following through sending checks to the IRS addressed to pay the taxes of the agent and the agent's manager so Nathan could cancel them causing the agent and his manager to owe the IRS a fee for each canceled check. He was exploiting the same flaw in the system in which he was caught to essentially extort the IRS agents. I laughed about this for weeks after. And then, three or so weeks later, I'll be danged if he didn't receive a letter from the IRS. Sir, we understand the point you've made. Please consider your fee waived, and I hope we can put this behind us. (laughs) that is formal irs speak for please stop please we surrender if he wrote 20 checks divided between the agent and the manager that means that each of those people got hit with 400 dollars in fees (laughs) and that's just the start nathan could have done this infinitely for only the cost of a postage stamp our next reddit post is from deadly gerbil Many years ago, when I worked for a rent-to-own company in a small town, there was a little apartment complex which I made frequent deliveries to, and just as frequently had to repo from. It had been a motel when it was built, and the owner turned it into apartments by just making doorways in the walls between rooms, putting a kitchen and living room in one room, and a bedroom in the other. The place was very run down and apparently pretty inexpensive, and based on a few things customers said, it seemed that the majority of the tenants moved in there for short times. I figured it was because they were waiting for prefab houses to be financed and delivered, since the vast majority of housing in that town was mobile homes. Turns out I was wrong, but more on that later. Between deliveries and pickups, we were visiting the place multiple times per month, but the landlord wouldn't let us park the truck in the parking lot to do it. It was a motel parking lot, so there was way more space than the tenants needed and plenty of room for our truck. But the minute we pulled into the lot, the landlord would come running out of the office and yell at us to get the truck off his property. We were still allowed to deliver and such. We just had to carry the couches and old-style rear-projection big-screen TVs across the gravel lot from a truck parked on the street. It was more than a little annoying. Then, the day came that I was visiting some customers, a young couple, to have them sign an extension because they couldn't make their payment, and I saw an eviction notice on their door. I knocked, they answered, and then they, too, saw the notice. They explained that they needed the extension because they were behind on rent, but the eviction was unexpected because they were only two days late. The notice gave them one week to move out. They signed the extension and I left, a little suspicious because that didn't seem right to me. A few days later, I got a call from the couple saying they needed to return the stuff they'd rented because they were being evicted and had to move to a motel. I told them to wait there, I'd be over in an hour. My wife had worked in the rental office of our previous apartment complex, so I knew some tenant laws. When I checked after getting the extension signed, I found that evictions couldn't be served with only a week notice. They had to give 30 days for the tenants to pay or move out. If they moved out, the landlord could take any unpaid rent out of their security deposit. This was a small town with lots of mobile homes, so I'm guessing the law was to prevent people from being evicted from rented land on which they had a mobile home they owned, but it applied to apartments too. Normally, I'd have considered this none of my business, but everyone in our store hated that landlord and wanted to get back at him. So I printed out the applicable rental law pages from the town's website and drove over to the apartment complex. There, I knocked on the door of every one of our customers living there, which was about half of the 20 or so apartments, and gave them a copy of the law. While doing this, I learned that the landlord had been evicting people like that for being even a day late. Then, keeping their deposits, citing the very law I was giving to my customers, just not the part about 30 days leeway. He charged rent in advance, you paid for the next month at the end of each month. So people were losing their deposits over being one day late. On top of that, the landlord wouldn't accept late payments, even if they were before his scheduled eviction time, because he made more money by evicting people and moving someone new in since he kept all their deposits. I told the couple that started all this that if I were them, I would move out, and I'd contact a lawyer or at least the city housing department and file a complaint. They were worried because the landlord had said he'd have the sheriff's department evict them if they didn't move out in time. There were no local police. Small town. But I said that even if the landlord called them, I doubted they'd actually evict them if they cited the law. That was about all I could do and I hoped it'd be enough. It was. The couple came in a few weeks later to pay for their rental furniture and to thank me for all my help, telling me the landlord had just been arrested. They filed a complaint and when the landlord called the sheriff to evict them it had kicked off an investigation. I never learned what exactly the charges were or what happened to the landlord but the complex ended up under new ownership and the new manager had no problem with us parking on their property for deliveries. Also the number of our repos and deliveries there suddenly dropped because people were no longer being evicted constantly. Between that experience and the other stories I've read online, I never cease to be baffled and annoyed that people don't know their rights as tenants. Check your laws, don't take a landlord's word for anything, and stand up for yourself. I love stories where OP rolls in like a freaking superhero and does this super beneficial deed that helps so many people. But they don't do it because they care about people, they do it because of pure hatred and the drive for revenge. It's almost like they're villains who accidentally become heroes. Our next Reddit post is from Bleedy Butts. My uncle is an Indian doctor. In the 90s, there was a massive doctor shortage in Australia, so the government gave him citizenship. Unfortunately, you still had to sit through three expensive exams to work as a doctor in Australia. These exams cost thousands of dollars, only happened twice a year, had limited sitting spots and times, and had arbitrary pass-fail marks. So many Indian doctors ended up becoming taxi drivers or small businessmen, etc., My uncle decided instead he would reapply and go through Australian medical school. Sure enough, being a doctor for over 10 years makes medical school easy and my uncle was top of his class. He decided since he was already pushing 40 years old and had a family, he would apply to become a general practitioner, a family physician, instead of applying to be a surgeon like most of his teachers had suggested. At the time, many desperate foreign doctors were applying for GP residency. They would essentially get treated like garbage. They would be forced to work unpaid overtime. They would not be given proper study time or time to leave to take mandatory exams. Their employers would pocket the meals, accommodations, study, or leave allowances that you were supposed to be paid by the training college. They would schedule you to work every Saturday or Sunday shift, and if you refused, they would give you a bad review and your training would be jeopardized. This mostly happened to foreign doctors, as most of them would be in bad debt and highly desperate for any sort of work. When my uncle graduated, he applied for GP training in a practice that is located within an Indian ethnic enclave so that he would have access to religious food, schools, etc. for the kids. Sure enough, this practice engaged in all of the above problems. My uncle would work every single Saturday shift. During his dedicated study time, he would have to come into work. He got reprimanded for not overcharging patients in line with their framework. Worst of all, when my aunt was really sick and hospitalized, they wouldn't give him any time off to look after her and the kids. The owner of the clinic was a white GP who was openly racist against Indians, Asians, and Aboriginal people who were a large percentage of the clientele of this clinic. My uncle bided his time for three years, and as soon as his documentation came through making him a GP, he quit that instant. He went down to the local bank and got a loan to open up his own practice. All his old patients quickly moved with him to the new practice. The first year he struggled, but his practice quickly became known and word spread. Surprise, surprise. Foreign trained doctors actually work well and care about their patients if you actually care about them and give them appropriate wages and living conditions. More patients and more doctors look to work with my uncle. Within two years, my uncle had a GP practice that had four doctors, two nurses, two trainees, and a manager his practice easily rivaled his original teachers. He then started two more GP practices with the money he was pulling in. These practices trapped his old teacher's clinic in a two kilometer triangle. He would advertise heavily and make sure he could take as much business from his old teacher as he could. Within five years, his old teacher's practice went from hiring six doctors, four nurses, and six trainees to just one doctor, his old teacher, and no one else. His old teacher tried to sell his practice to other doctors, but no one would purchase it given how successful my uncle's three surrounding practices were. He then tried to sell it to my uncle who refused to buy even at a ridiculously low sale price. Instead he waited for the bank to repossess his old teacher's clinic and then purchased it for a bit more money from the bank. My uncle then repurposed the building into his main offices from where he runs his other three practices. He made sure to redevelop his old boss's room into staff toilets just as one final tribute to the human turd that was his old boss. How awesome would it be if the old boss came to this old office to talk to the uncle and the uncle was like, right this way, let's step into your old office. And they step into the bathroom and some dude is sitting on the toilet where the old boss's office chair used to be. That was our slash pro revenge.